Hey, it's Todd coming to you from the Verona Sports and Spiritual Library here in my apartment in Verona, Wisconsin. How about a red hot Verona, Wisconsin at that? 98 degrees today. So, what do I have to say about that? I'd say that it's probably good to read the Bible so I don't have to go where it's a lot hotter. <laughs> Alright, this is a Life Recovery Bible. Uh, New Living Translation. And thanks for uh, thanks for listening to this. You can following along with this stuff too. And I have a uh, I have a whole lot of hope for all the all the folks that are even, they're paying attention to this. Going, to, we're going to go somewhere warm and not as warm as plus ninety eight. Let's put it that way. It is entirely possible. So this is what this is. This is ten. This is uh, chapter ten of. Two Kings 10. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> Alright. And uh, scripture is 30-33. It says, It is entirely possible to please God in some parts of our lives and displease Him greatly in others. Jehu honored God for dis- for destroying Moab's, I'm sorry, for destroying Ahab's family and said he was blessed for it. But he divided spiritual legions prevented the full recovery of the northern kingdom because there was no clean break from sinful worship patterns established long before by King Jehoboam and God allowed Israel to move closer to sitting bottom. Me, we too, need to turn our entire life over to God's control. The areas we refuse to commit to God we could very well be the roots of our addictions or compulsions. And I got a visitor up here named the Gata. What do you think of that, huh? She likes it. Come on, let's go. All right, come on. But uh, that's what good do a fourth step too. So you can find that stuff and find your behaviors and where it's where it's leading, where it's coming from. Those uh, the addiction behaviors and what's making us go back out there again and again and again. And uh, you know, it's so important to have God in our lives and have Him leading leading us to a. To a better life and to a better existence, and you know he doesn't want us to be sad. He doesn't want us to be hurt. He doesn't want us to be in pain. But you know, and, and it's really up to it's really up to us to be able to, uh, to get out of that stuff and be able to have a spiritual program so we can be able to talk to talk to God on a, on a daily daily hourly minute basis and have an open relationship with Him. You know, we don't need to be the, uh, we don't need to go down on our hands and knees and and do any of that stuff. We just need to talk to them and praise them. You know, they, they have a saying that says, praise and raise. You 
know, it's pretty easy to, uh, you know, to complain and remain. So, you know, it's, it's important stuff to be able to uh, have that relationship. But, uh, you know, that's, that to me says a lot. And it's so important. It's so important. It's so important. Number one, the important, most important thing is gratitude, too, for where you've been and where you're going. So, all right. Well, we got the death of Jabu. At about the time the Lord began to cut from the size of Israel's territory, King Hazel conquered several sections of the country east of the Jordan River, including all of the Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. He conquered the area from the town of from the town of Azor. I'm sorry, for the town of Aser, Aser, by the by the Arnon Gorge to as the far north as the Galid and Bashan. The rest of the events in Jehu's reign, everything he did and all his achievements are recorded in the book of History of the King of Israel, Kings of Israel. When Jehu died, he was Jehu died. He was buried in Samaria. Then his son Jehoahaz became the next king. In all, Jehu reigned over Israel from Samaria for twenty-eight years. And we go to chapter 11 now, and it's uh, 2 Kings 11. Queen Atala, Queen Atala, Ataya, I'm sorry, rules in Judah. I think it's Ataya. But Ataya, remember the mother of King of Ahaziah of Judah learned that her son was dead. She began to destroy the rest of the royal family. But Ahaziah's sister, Jehosheba, daughter of king of Jehoram, took Ahaziah Ahaziah, infant son, Josh, I'm sorry, Joash, and stole him away from among the rest of the king's children, who were about to be who were about to be killed. She put Joash and his nurse in a bedroom to hide them from. to hide them from Athaliah so the child was not murdered. Joash remained hidden in the temple of the Lord for six years. While Athaliah ruled over the 
over the land. So what we got here, we got going is that it's uh, in the bottom here. This is chapter 11 and scriptures 1 through 3, which I just read through. And uh, talks about recovery is a difficult, even terrifying alternative for many who must live near who must live near ruthless opponents. I'm sorry, ruthless oppressors or abusive personalities. Such highly dysfunctional personalities will attempt to do anything to get their way and to solidify their rule by intimidation. Jehoshiba must have feared Athaliah's wrath when she stole young Josiah away, thus throwing the new new queen's murderous thwarting. I'm sorry, thwarting the new king's new queen's murderous plans. In spite of this, however, she acted on faith, trusting God to take care of. Trusting God to take care of her. The flaw in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16, young Joash's survival. You know, I'm sorry, young and Joe Joash's, yeah, survival was not only God, but also a manifestation of God's ongoing care of his chosen people. We, like Jehoshiba, must trust in God's care for us and take the steps necessary for recovery. All right. So this is chapter 11. This is a script. It's starting here on Scripture 4. It's page 480. Revolt against Athala. In the seventh year of Thala's reign, Jehovah, the priest, summoned the commanders, the Karite mercenaries, and the palace guards to come to the temple of the Lord. He made a solemn part with them and made them swear an oath of loyalty there in the Lord's temple. Then he showed them the king's son. Jehoiada told them, This is what you must do. The third of you who are on duty on the Sabbath are to guard the royal palace itself. Another third of you are to stand guard at the Sir Gate that and the and the final third must stand guard behind the palace guard. These three groups will all guard the palace. The other two units 
who are off duty on the Sabbath must stand guard for the king at the Lord's temple. Form a bodyguard around the king and keep your weapons in hand. Kill anyone who tries to break through. Stay with the king wherever he goes. So the commander they did everything as so the commanders did everything as Jehoiada the priest ordered. The commanders took charge of the men reporting for duty that Sabbath as well as those who were going off duty. They brought them all to Jehoiada the priest and he supplied them with the spears and small shields that had once belonged to King David and seven and were stored in the temple of the Lord. The palace guards stationed themselves around the king with their weapons ready. They formed a line around from the south side of the temple around to the north side and all around the altar. Then Jehoiada brought out Josiah Joash I'm sorry brought out Joash the king's son placed the crown on his head and presented him with a copy of God's laws. They anointed him and proclaimed him the king and everyone clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king! So, we got uh, 11, chapter 11, scriptures 4 through 21. Jehoiada's faith was the catalyst for Judah's for Judah's revived towards recovery. I'm sorry, Judah's moved towards recovery. The process of amounting the process of amounting Joash and proclaiming him the rightful ruler was undergirded by Jehoiada's courage. Jehoiada agreed to worship God I'm sorry I'm I'm, I'm gonna skip the line here Um, I'm just gonna start start over here quick Jehoiada faith was the catalyst for Judah's move toward recovery the process of anointing Joash and proclaiming him and proclaiming him the rightful ruler was undergirded by Jehoiada's courage. Jehoiada desired to restore Judah to right relationship with God. Under this direction, people and king agreed to worship okay. King agreed to worship God. Follow God's commands and destroy the altars to false gods. So the agreement, about the agreement they set up, through the agreement they set up, all the people were responsible for the nation's recovery.
and everyone was headed, and everyone held accountable. Courage to change our situ, courage to change our situation, and personal accountability to others are necessary parts of our of any success. Any of any successful recovery program. So that's what, uh, that's, that's something that needs to be, it's just so good to read about this. And to realize where these guys are coming from, what's going on, and how important it is to tie all this in with the, uh, tie the Bible and the, uh, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book, and, and all this into, uh, into a nice little, uh, nice little book that they have here that can, that can teach us how to live our lives and how to worship our higher power. Because God is just wonderful and it's awesome and that's the thing that that we don't uh, that we don't that we don't realize in recovery. Geolata's religious reform. The death, I, I took a, I skipped ahead a couple. The death of Athalia. When Athalia heard all the, heard all the noise made by the palace guards and the people, she hurried to the Lord's temple to see what was going to see what was happening when she arrived she saw the newly crowned king standing in his place authority by the by the pillar as was the custom at times of the coronation the commanders and trumpeters were surrounding him and people from all over the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets when Athali when Athalia saw all this she tore her clothes in despair and shouted treason treason then Jailada the priest ordered commanders who were in charge of the ten, of the troops take her to take her to the soldiers in front of the temple and kill anyone who tries to rescue her for the priest had said she must not be killed in the temple of the lord so they scored so they seized her and led her out to the gate Where horses enter the palace grounds, and she was killed there. Then, 
So it's Jehovah's religious reforms. When Jehovah made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people, he also made a covenant between the king and the people and all the people of the land went over to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They demolished the altars and smashed the idols to pieces and they killed they killed Metan the priest of Baal in front of the altars. Jehovah the priest stationed guards at the temple of the Lord. Then the commanders, the Kurite mercenaries, the palace guards, and all the people of the Lord of the land escorted the king from temple of the Lord. They went through the gate of the guards and into the palace. And the king took his seat on the royal throne. So all the people of the land rejoiced. And the city was peaceful because Athaliah had been killed at the king's palace. Joas was seven years old when he became king. Joas began to rule, I'm sorry, so chapter 12 going on to the next, but let me read here. So it's chapter 12, and it is Josh, I'm sorry, so this is what this is, chapter 12, 2 Kings 12. Joash began to rule over Judah in seventh year of King Jehu's reign in Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem forty years. His mother was Zebiah from Beersheba. All his life, Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight because Jehovah the priest instructed him yet even so he did not destroy the pagan shrines the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there one day King Joash said to the priests collect all the money brought as a sacred offering to the Lord's temple whether it is a regular assessment, a payment of vows, or a voluntary gift, let the priest take some of that some of that money to pay for whatever repairs are needed at the temple. But by the 23rd year of Josiah's reign, 
23rd year of Joash's reign, the priests still had not repaired the temple. So King Joash called for Jehoiada, the other and the other priests asked them, Why haven't you repaired the temple? Don't use any more money for your own needs from now on. It must all be spent on the temple. Temple repairs. So the priests agreed not to accept any more money from the people. And they also agreed to let others take responsibility for repairing the temple. Then Jehoiada, the priest, bored a hole bored a hole in the lid of his large chest and set it on the right hand side of the altar of the entrance of the temple of the Lord. The priest guarding the entrance put all the people's contributions into the chest. Whenever the chest became full, the court secretary and the high priest counted the money that had been that had been brought to the Lord's temple and put it into put it into bags. Then they gave the money to the construction supervisors and who used it for, to pay the carpenters, the builders, the I'm sorry. Then they to the Lord's temple, the carpenters, the builders, the the, the masons, the stone cutters. They also used the money to buy the timber and the finished stone needed for repairing the Lord's temple, and they paid any other expenses related to the temple's restoration. The money... The money brought to the temple was not used for making silver bowls, lamps. I'm sorry, the money brought to the temple was not used for making silver bowls, lamps, snippers, basins, trumpets, or other articles of gold or silver for the temple of the Lord. It was paid it was paid to the workmen who used it for the temple repairs. No accounting of this money was required from the construction supervisors because they were honest and trustworthy men. However, the money that was contributed for guilt offerings and sin offerings was not brought into the Lord's temple. It was given to the priests for their own use. So we got, uh, this is chapter 12 and it's scripture 4 through 16 on the bottom here. And uh, the difficult task of repairing the temple was an important part of Judah's spiritual recovery. Yet, 
Raising the money to rebuild proved difficult. The priests and people were not willing to make the sacrifices necessary to get the job done. So, Joash made priests accountable for the money for the money the people contributed. With this system of accountability, people of Judah were able to accomplish the rest the renovation process. This should remind you, this should remind us, not you, us, this should remind us that accountability and concrete planning are necessary for a successful rebuilding program. Without them, we would probably Take the path of least resistance and make the make little progress towards recovery. That's what I see that uh, it makes a lot of sense because of all the uh, corruption that goes on that in the world, even back then and today, that we're still people and that we have to be accountable. And we have to make ourselves accountable. And we have to have people that are accountable for us too, to keep us going in the right direction. And you've been doing the steps and uh, doing the steps, reading the book, working with sponsors, it's so important. It's also, it's, well, it's only what's important too, it's important for for the folks that are in, and you know, that are in the, uh, the future plans for AA because if we give a half-ass, half-ass effort and go back drinking and not re- or just not even drinking, just not recovering with a spiritual lifestyle and a good program, then you know what's going to happen? He's going to fall apart. And, uh, you know, that's why I love the traditions and all that, too, because, you know, the traditions are for the group and the, uh, the steps are for the individual. And, you know, and it comes down to, it comes down to love. You know, because if we love the program, love the people in the program, we're going to be more accountable and we're going to make better plans for the people being around us. So, you know, it's good for our family, for my family, for your family, for everybody's family. You know, because we're just, we are one big family. We're so we thing. And that's why the first, uh, the first word, the first step is we. It's not I, it's not me, it's not it's we so alright so this is on the uh, chapter 12 and this is uh, this is uh, chapter 12 and it's called the end of Joash reign and um 
about the time, it's about this time King Hazel of Aram went to war against against Gath and captured it. Then he Then he turned to attack. Then he turned to attack Jerusalem. King Joash collected all the sacred objects that Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Abiziah, the previous kings of Judah, had dedicated along with what he himself had dedicated. He sent them all to Hazel, along with all the gold and the treasures. of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. So Hazel called off the attack on Jerusalem. The rest of the events in Joash's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of history of kings of Judah. Joash's officers plotted against him and assassinated him. at Beth Beth Meal on the road to Scylla. The assassins were Josachar, son son of Shumith and Jehoshaphat, son of son of Shomer. Both trusted advisors. Joash Joash was buried with the with his ancestors in the city of David. Then son then his son Amaziah became the new became the next king. So that uh, I come down here, and this is from chapter twelve, and it's uh, scripture seventeen and eighteen. It's about so this ties it all in. Joash had made great strides toward leading Israel into spiritual recovery, but here we see that the faith wavered easily when he was put into a difficult situation. Under threat of Aramian attack, he gave away temple treasury to pay off King Hazael of Aram. He failed to turn to God, who was capable of delivering his people from the Aramian, from the Aramians and sought his own human solution. The consequences were great. National losses and and perpetuation of faithless living. See 2 Chronicles 
20, chapter 24, uh, scriptures 17 and 18. Even after great success, we are still susceptible to giving and to fear and denial. We need to trust God to defeat the enemies in our life, trying to fight them on our own will only invest them with greater power. So that's the thing is, is that, ah, man, I got to That's good stuff. I know that, uh, I've, how many times I've given in to people because I was intimidated. Um, Chapter 13, Jehoahaz rules in Israel. So Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, began to rule over Israel in the 23rd year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 17 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He followed the example of Jehoabam, son of Nebat, continuing this, continuing the sins that Jehoabam had let Israel and let Israel to commit. So the Lord was very angry with Israel, and he allowed King Hazel of Aram and his son Ben-Hadad to defeat them repeatedly. Then Jehoahaz prayed for the Lord's help, and the Lord heard his prayer, for he could see how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. So the Lord provided some... So the Lord supplied supplied provided someone to rescue the Israelites from the tyranny of the Arameans. Then Israel lived in safety again as they had in former days. But they continued to sin following the evil example of Jeroboam. They also allowed Azerah, Pole, and Samaria to remain standing. Finally, Jehoahaz, Jehoahaz's army was reduced to 50 charioteers, 10 chariots, 10,000 foot soldiers. The king of Aram had killed the others, trampling them like dust under his feet. The rest of his, the rest of the events in Jehoahaz's reign, everything he did, at the extent of the powers, are recorded in the book of history of kings of Israel. When Jehoahaz died, he was buried in Samaria. Then his son Jehoash became the next king.
All right, now we go down to here again, and we can go down to the, on the bottom here, and it's chapter 13, scriptures 1 through 7. The experience of King Jehoahaz of Israel is solemn case study of what happens when you play when you play around with recovery. Jehoahaz apparently was humbled by the consistent defeats by recovery. But after God graciously granted relief and freedom, Jehoahaz fell back from his old dysfunctional patterns again. The consequences of his actions then led to near collapse of his rule. When we hit bottom, it is relatively easy to give things over to God. We have nothing worth holding on to. True recovery is only possible when we leave our life in God's hands even when things are going well. Alright, so we got here, then we go to is Jehoash Jehoash rules in Israel. Jehoash son of Jehoahaz Wow. Begin to rule over Israel in the 37th year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 16 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, Nebat, and led Israel to commit. The rest of the events of Jehoash's reign and everything he did included the extent of his powers and his war with King Amaziah, with King Amaziah of Judah are recorded in the book of history of kings of Israel. When Jehoash, when Jehoash died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then his son, Jehoboam II, became the next king. All right. This is uh, chapter uh, 13, scriptures 1 through 7. The experience of King Jehoahaz of Israel is a solemn case study of what happens when you play around with recovery. Jehoahaz apparently was humbled by his consistent defeats by the Arameans. He admitted he was powerless and turned to God, the all-important first step of recovery. But after God graciously granted relief and freedom, Jehoahaz 
fell back into his old dysfunctional pattern again. The consequences of his actions then led to near collapse of his rule. When we hit bottom, it is relatively easy to give things over to God and we have nothing worth holding on to. True recovery is only possible when we leave our life in God's hands, even when things are going well. I know I just read that too, I'm sorry. But uh, it's, it's good I go through, through that again because that's important. And so what we have here is a uh, you know and we must learn the consequences and that's unfortunately the God doesn't want to punish us but sometimes that's what we need to have a better life to get our butts kicked and um, that's the only thing that I can see that it works through the uh, it works through the, the uh, punishment and you know not every day is going to be a great day so the only way we're going to learn how to have great days is to be learned by punishment by learning by doing things wrong and how it feels and how it hurts and that's what I've gone through in my life anyways and I'm glad I've gone through it I've gone, I've gone through every every particular hurt and every particular uh, thing that I've done wrong and I've come I want to become a better person because of it. It sounds foolish to say that when he, when we think about it, but it's so true. Who wants who wants to uh, go through that punishment and the pain? So, Jehoash rules in Israel. Jehoash, son of Jehoash began to rule over Israel in the 37th year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 16 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from his sins that Jehoboam son of Nebat and led Israel to commit. I'm going back over this one too, by the way. The rest of the events of Jehoboam's reign and everything he did, including the extent of his power and his war with Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of history of kings of Israel. When Jehoash died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then his son, Jeroboam II, became the next king. At least his final prophecy. When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel and visited him and wept over him. 
My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, Get a bow and some arrows. And the king did, as he was told. Elisha told him, Put your hand on the bow. And Elisha had his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, Open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, Shoot! So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer Aramians at Epek. Then he said, Now pick up the other arrows and and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of those raiders. They so they hastily threw a the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. King Hazael of Aram had oppressed Israel during the entire reign of King of Jehoahaz. But the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel, and they were not totally destroyed. He pitied them because of the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To this day, he has not completely destroyed them or banished them from from his presence. King Hazael of Aram died, and his sons Ben-Hadad became the next king. Then Jehoash, son of Jehoshaphat, recaptured Ben-Hadad, son of Hazael, the towns that the towns that had been taken from Jehoash's father. Jehoahaz, from his father Jehoahaz, Jehoahaz defeated Ben-Hadad on three occasions, and he recovered the ben, the Israelite towns. All right, so what we have is chapter 13, and...
So yeah, this is uh chapter thirteen and it's uh ten through nineteen. King Jehoash of Israel was another individual who started the recovery process, but didn't go far enough. Though he was a king who did what was evil in the Lord's sight, Jehoash was greatly touched emotionally when the prophet Elijah, I'm sorry, prophet Elisha was about to die. He expressed, he expressed his great respect and grief for Elisha. But when Elisha gave Jehoash instructions that would lead him to victory over Aram, Jehoash followed them half-heartedly, thus limiting his progress. Anything less than complete Commitment to the recovery process will be will result in incomplete recovery. Sounds familiar to me. Alright, so I'm going to stop there. And this is going to be uh, chapter 14 I'll be starting. But uh, Next time we do this reading. Well, I just want to say, if nobody else has told you that they love you today, I do. And I thank each and every one of you for listening. And I wish you a great day. Stay cool. Hopefully you'll be listening to this in January. But uh, anyways, stay cool. Thanks.